Tell me about that book, first of all. We were talking during the break there, things going well. What's book writing like? First of all, you write the book, then you hand it over to somebody else, some publisher, some editor. How much of what you wrote comes back the way you wrote it? Oh, pretty much all of it. It's the strangest but most fulfilling professional experience I've ever had. It's the hardest thing I've ever had to do professionally. Um, but, I, you know, in AJC and, and, and many outlets, you know, there is no sort of prolonged book leave traditionally, right? Bigger outlets can do that. So I was still working my day job and writing at night mm. and weekends and odd hours. Um, but it was very rewarding. And it was a really great chance just to put everything that I saw uh, literally a front row seat <laughs> to Georgia political history and putting it all in a book form um, so that, you know, years from now, when folks, who knows what the political situation will be, but when folks look back to this 2020 election and what happened in Georgia, they'll have a book to, to tell, tell them what happened. Yeah, by the way, the name of that book is Flipped, How Georgia Turned Purple and Broke the Monopoly on Republican Power, of course, referring to the presidential election, Joe Biden and his success, and the two Democrats uh, in the Senate races there. Okay, the obvious segue question here, is Georgia going to flip back uh, in a couple of months? What, what is the, what's, the, what's your view of the lay of the land here? Yeah, right now it's looking very promising for Republicans. Uh, obviously, Governor Kemp has a steady and solid lead over Stacey Abrams. We saw another poll come out just yesterday from Fox 5 and Insider Advantage that showed him up by about eight points over Stacey Abrams. Most polls show him up three, four, five points uh, just outside the margin of error. Um, and I can tell you that the governor's folks are, are fairly confident, and Stacey Abrams is running as an underdog. Um, the, the biggest question uh, the, the other big question, I should say, is the Senate race, where Senator Warnock has had a lead over Herschel Walker in the polls, but a much slimmer lead. And in some polls, it's Herschel Walker who has a, a minor advantage. So that race is looking like it's too close to call right now. Uh, they're both within striking distance, and we could be headed toward a runoff. Uh, yeah, because there are libertarian candidates in, in each of these races. And, of course, that's what gave us those runoffs in those Senate contests uh, a couple of years ago. Greg Bluestein, AJC political insider. Uh, about that Warnock-Walker race, and then for that matter, the Abrams and Kemp race, I, I, I'm sure you've seen this. If not, go find it. That piece in the New York Times of a day or two ago that, that talked about specifically the, the frustrations of the Abrams campaign. And it pointed to polling that showed a big disparity uh, that, that Abrams is is trailing, if you will, Raphael Warnock, that he is the much more popular of the two candidates there. And one of the, the analysts they were talking to is actually a pollster for the Abrams campaign. He said, listen, what's driving this is in part uh, some white moderate Republicans who say they're going to vote for Raphael Warnock, can't stomach Herschel Walker, and some black, specifically or mostly male typically Democrat voters, who say they're going to vote Republican. Now, this guy's contention was that come Election Day, a lot of those folks go home to their respective parties. Uh, what would you expect to see there? Yeah, we've seen the split ticket dynamic really since the summer. It's been really fascinating because in Georgia, um, that pollster's right. I mean, in Georgia, you know, there is very little split t ticket uh, tendencies. Uh, most voters end up voting straight ticket or at least staying staying in their in their respective political lanes, even though swing voters end up breaking one way or the other. But in Georgia right now, we see a significant number of Republicans who are signaling that they'll vote for Governor Kemp, but they will not vote for Herschel Walker. I was out um, following some, uh, some grassroots operatives just yesterday in suburban Marietta up in Cobb County, and 
in Metro Atlanta. And uh, we bumped into a real-life split-ticket voter who said, I'm voting Republican down the ballot except for Herschel Walker. I just cannot stomach voting for him because there are concerns about his past violent uh, uh, behavior, his erratic behavior, his stances on policy issues, his falsehoods and exaggerations, all, all the issues that have been in the news. And, you know, we're not saying 15, 20 percent of, of, of Republicans will, 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 uh, will vote against Herschel Walker, but even two or three percent mm-hmm. in a race this close could be very significant. You know, I've said this about some of what we're seeing and hearing in, in the Raphael Warnock campaign commercials and some of the packs associated with them, the really vicious and nasty stuff about uh, evidently factual aspects of Herschel Walker's past, the violent activities involving his ex-wife, for example. I have posited this, and I wonder... Uh, uh, I wonder how right I am about this, uh, that that to some extent that stuff is blunted, those kind of revelations, if you will, about Herschel Walker. At least those of us who've been around for a while, it's not new to us. We, we've kind of baked this into our calculations as we consider Herschel Walker. Now, I'm sure that's true to an extent, but there's also, and you'd point this out, I guess, there's a lot of folks who aren't particularly long in the tooth in Georgia, new to Georgia, younger in Georgia, and it is news to some of those folks. You're, you're exactly right. And when you put $2 million behind an ad campaign to promote that, it's, you know, that, that, that's what sort of tries to move the needle. Because we might have heard about it, your listeners might have heard about it, our readers might have heard about it, but still a significant number of Georgians, uh, it's news to them. And that now we're seeing not only Democratic um, groups, but also anti-Trump Republican groups put money behind this message um, that, that reminds uh, voters of that violent past with his ex-wife. Um, at the same time, though, we have Herschel Walker saying, hey, look, that was you're trying to stigmatize people with mental health illness. And he always points to his disassociative identity disorder um, and says, look, I, I've gotten treatment. Um, I've, uh, my ex-wife and I are now on good terms. And we shouldn't stigmatize people with mental health illness. So that's that's been his response to all this. Which, by the way, and I I, I don't mean to be writing Herschel Walker's campaign ads for him, but if at some point, and it wouldn't actually surprise me to see this, if suddenly Cindy turns up in a Herschel Walker commercial. Uh, yeah, we're good now, and I'm glad he got help, and we shouldn't, as Herschel Walker says, stigmatize mental health. I mean, that could flip that coin pretty quickly if something like that were to happen. You're right. I've always expected that will be like the sort of October response as these attacks heat up. And, it, and it's only just started, right? It's only we've known about this for years, as you mentioned. And it's really been a campaign issue since, I don't know, August or September of last year. Um, but that, that's sort of a card that we expect Herschel Walker to play at some point because he always mentions how him and his ex-wife, Cindy Grossman, continued to be very close friends. Uh, circle back to this anti-Trump business. I'm, I'm just suddenly thinking, Greg Bluestein, of where we were, I don't know, seven or eight months ago. Uh, there's no chance Raffensperger's going to win, and Brian Kemp's in trouble with all of these anti-Trumpers, and, and, and the May primaries roll around. Okay, Kemp wins by 50 points, and Raffensperger wins without a runoff. Is that issue, the anti-Trump issue, all the, the, all the rancor, Raffensperger and Kemp, is all that in the rearview mirror now? It looks like it. It looks like the Republican civil war over Trump is over. And the, 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 I wouldn't even call them anti-Trump forces because they're still, they're still not going to say anything bad about Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Governor Kemp, will never, you will not hear him say publicly a bad word about the former president. But the forces on Trump's bad side 
seem to have won. I mean, our, our polling shows that 95% of Republicans back Governor Kemp's reelection campaign. So that includes, you have to imagine, that includes a significant number of sort of diehard Trump supporters who voted for David Perdue. So it looks like that's in the rear of your mirror. But at the same time, Brian Kemp doesn't want anything to upend that uh, apple mm. cart right now. He And, and when, when we hear about Donald Trump possibly coming to Georgia, about him possibly announcing an election campaign, right now that's that would be great news for Democrats yeah. in the sense that it would refocus the race on on Trump-related issues. Uh, quickly, about a minute left here, Greg Bluestein. Stacey Abrams, I've talked about this, that the seeming lack of energy when compared certainly to the 2018 campaign and the difficulty in seizing on a message and making a case uh, to Stacey Abrams, a lot of what she's done is, is saying, I'm going to do Brian Kemp things, only more of them. It's been a real strange campaign. Yeah, it's been hard for her to recapture, rekindle that magic from 2018 where she was newer on the scene. She was newer to many Georgia voters, and frankly, she was newer to the national media. She opened her campaign by repeating a lot of the same promises she made in 2018. She's trying to expand up them now by promising to legalize casino gambling and sports betting and, and, and take other initiatives. But Governor Kemp has that huge surplus at his advantage where he can dip into it and and, and uh, and fulfill a lot of his promises at the same time. Indeed, and a lot of that money that he was critical of getting from, from Washington, not uh, filling a lot of those uh, shortfalls, budget shortfalls, and, and enabling him to go around the state and make all these announcements that he's making. Greg Bluestein at the University of Georgia this afternoon, uh, 4 o'clock, uh, with the Richard B. Russell Special Collections Library, speaking there about his new book, Flipped, How Georgia Turned Purple Broke the Monopoly on Republican Power. Greg Bluestein, as always, thanks for your time this morning. Talk again soon. Thank you for having me. 